Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsblog 20 podcast series in which we celebrate 20 years of Arsblog by talking to a guest about a calendar year of the site's existence between 2002 and 2022. In this episode, we are talking 2003, and my guest is Clive Palmer. Hi, Clive. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you very much. How well do you remember 2003? It's all right there. You didn't have to refer to any notes, I take it? Uh, I had to refer to my notes <laughs> extensively. And in our pre-pod chat, you know I had to extend. <laughs> Look at my notes. <laughs> this is going to be funny, as I can't remember what I had for dinner last night. Yeah, there were, I mean, it, it works in different ways for different people. You might not remember what you had for dinner last night, but there are indelible memories from years ago when Arsenal were doing fun things in, in 2003. And, you know, I think it's fair to say, like most of the years that we've been covering in this series, uh, there are ups and downs uh, in yes. 2003, but wh- where do you want to start? I, I tell you what, contextually, I just want to start to say, when I think about the things I used to moan about then, and uh, given the team that we had in 2003 and what that <laughs> led into, I feel ashamed. <laughs> I should, ap- should apologise. <laughs> i got to apologise to the club and everybody else associated with them. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I need a real good look at myself, right? So, um, so yeah, there was a couple of games that year that really sort of stood out for me. And, and I will start with um, Inter Milan. Mm. Inter Milan away. Um, the five one. It's one of those trips that you um, feel lucky about. Mm-hmm. You know, feel lucky about. It's one of those games that you think, "Crikey, this is a this is a special moment." And some, I don't go to loads and loads of games. When you pick the right ones, they stay with you forever. Yeah, this is not Tim Stillman here. You know, <laughs> who goes to every game. Um, you know, I've had some bad choices, but this is one of the better ones. And and. It was all about Thierry Henry, really, wasn't it? Because mm. at, at that time, he really, for me, announced himself as the best player in the world. And I, and that was my overriding feeling. He was playing against Zanetti, if I remember. And yeah. Zanetti was a top, top, top defender. And I, was, I remember thinking, well, oh, this is going to be quite tough. It's going to be worrying. And um, he just turned on and just decided he was going to win the game. And... It's one of those days when he's just like unplayable, really. And um, yeah, for it's one of those. I also haven't got a fantastic European history. Mm. Um, I, I was there in Copenhagen when we won, and another day that passed me by with a little bit of drinking going on. But, um, <laughs> but 
our European history is not great. And so these sort of nights don't come along very often. And uh, yeah, it's a good one. Oh, it really was. Uh, and it's one of those, when I picture it in my mind's eye, it's like an archetypal European night, even, I don't know how to explain it, the the sort of the grain of the TV footage. I know you were there, but this is true of of, of European football as we used to have it on television. This was before HD and all that kind of stuff. There was something about the either the camera angles or the colours or the the grain of the TV footage that made you instantly know that this was a game happening in Europe and not in the Premier League. And this was this was exactly that. I don't know whether it's the flares from the stands or, or whatever it is, but an amazing night, amazing game because Arsenal went ahead um, Thierry Henry scored Christian Vieri scored then for Inter Milan, Freddie Jumberg um, put us ahead in the second half and then you know it was a it was a relatively um, even if I remember correctly kind yeah, of second I think, half I think until you remember Jeremy Aliadier played and came on in that game I did? don't know why is that right yeah I think you remember that I remember, yeah, yeah, thinking, yeah. I remember him as a player Feeling he, he was on the cusp between something really, really good, mm. and an injury kept striking him down, and mm. and that was, uh, you know, he's a free running, very athletic, agile forward, and just never had the time he really deserved you know, in our first team. In my opinion, the but, injuries, I think, played yeah. a part. But that that yeah. goal then that that Henri scored, which came from a an Inter Milan corner. Um, and if I remember correctly, it was Matarazzi um, who was complaining about uh, a foul, yeah. which yeah, is, yeah. you know, something he did quite a lot of. But but it was Henri against Zanetti. And as you say, Zanetti at that time and, and throughout his career was an amazing footballer, a really, really brilliant defender. And Thierry Henry roasted him, not once but twice. Yeah. Uh, and to do what he did and to fire the ball in the corner the, into the net the way that he did, it was just absolutely sensational. One of our great European goals, I think, and Henri, of course, has scored a couple of those in his time. Yeah, we just, at that period, it was just a matter of time before we won the big trophy itself, right? And that's how yeah. it felt. And um, still later waiting. on in the next year, which I'm not allowed to talk about, podcast. <laughs> 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 But the, 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 I can't help it. But as soon as you mentioned 2004, mm. you just think about Wayne Bridge, right? Yeah. And that, that is the moment of our lives. Right? Yeah, so. it sure is. The other goals that night scored by uh, Edu and Robert Perez um, to put some real gloss on, on what was a, an amazing scoreline. Uh, Inter Milan won Arsenal 5 uh, yeah, an amazing, an amazing yeah. European night. Right, where to next? Well, towards the end of the season, really. So um, it was the FA Cup final against Southampton mm. in Cardiff. Right? Yeah. So I was a bit younger than Andrew, so it's, it's all about the social. It still is, probably. <laughs> it's all about the social. And I can, back in, the, in those times, I can remember we ordered a big, long limousine. Right, and then went to how many went to Cardiff, and uh, a big lousy. I don't know how about eight of us in it. It was a massive thing, and off we went to Cardiff, and a few drinks in tow, and took the long way round. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, parked up outside the castle, and the way that the way that Cardiff actually works on Cup final days. They literally turned the whole of the town. I mean, if anyone's ever been to that stadium, it's an unbelievable day out. Mm. Everything is so close to the town centre, and it's just brilliant. And nightclubs open up in the daytime, and it's a very social occasion. And um, 
And Southampton, we were sort of, you know, for, oh, was favourites to win. Although we took a bit, I remember it was hard work, but it's hard work staying awake for me in that game <laughs> because I jumped too much. But it was a fantastic uh, social occasion, so mm. I'd say it was better than the better than the game. If I remember right, I think Pirro scored in a rebound. Mm-hmm. And I think my favourite player, which was Patrick Vieira, I don't think he started. If I remember, he right wasn't. Yet. He wasn't available. Yeah. He was injured, I he, think. Yeah, and nah. Saul Campbell nah. wasn't there either. Yeah, it's a bit of a. Although I was confident, you sort of start to worry about people who were, were missing, you know. And um, mm. and at those days, a lot of Arsenal's games, I used to, Vieira was missing for <laughs> for various reasons, and uh, it's always a bit of a trauma. So. Um, but yeah, a, a wonderful occasion. And Cardiff is a great place to go. And then obviously Wembley was being rebuilt at the time. Mm. We had a lot of success there, actually, even though, you know, we did have one cup final where we messed up. But I was there for all of them. And the two, th- you know, I won't mention the other ones, Andrew. I must, must, must not jump ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> but, um, stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah, stay in my lane. <laughs> but um, yeah, a real great occasion, really, rather than a great game. Yeah, I mean... I remember Martin Keown uh, and Oleg Luzhny was our central defensive pairing that day. That's how oh, wow. down to the the uh, bare bones we were in central defence. Um, and Keown, if I think he had to have like pain killing injections to get him through the game. Luzhny, you know, a workhorse of a right back, not yeah. really a central defender, but his experience that day. Um, yeah, they, his game, didn't he? Yeah, they had a guy up front called, was it Brett Ormerod? Yeah, yeah I Brett remember the name, Ormerod. but how do you remember that? Well, <laughs> he, uh, he, do you know, he's he was sort of, he's like a prototype Jamie Vardy kind of guy, that kind of a striker. And mm. Keown and, and Luzhny had to work hard to, to keep him in a 1-0 win. Um, I suppose we should mention that in the, the semi-final, we played Sheffield United at Old Trafford. Was it Old Trafford, wasn't it? That's when semi-finals used to take yes, place. Yes, it was Old Trafford. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and that was the the David Seaman save, the David Seaman save. Um, yeah, pretty. I mean, look, he made some brilliant saves for us in his career, uh, a long and storied Arsenal career. But that is the one that gets replayed over and over. One because it's it's just a remarkable save, but but two because. I guess he was coming towards the end of his um, the end of his Arsenal career. Uh, he would leave Arsenal in in the summer of two thousand and three. And for a man of those years, and you and I, you and I will understand this very well. You lose a, like a, a smidgen of flexibility along the way, don't you? So <laughs> just a t- just a touch, <laughs> just a touch. I think he was he was making sure he kept his hair though. If he's losing his flexibility, yeah, 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 yeah. That was full on ponytail days, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. Bit. Sure was. Yeah. Amazing save. Yeah, amazing save. And again. I wasn't at that game because I was just saying to you beforehand, I was on holiday in Tenerife. It was like a last minute holiday, a lad's holiday. Someone didn't turn up and the mm. next next minute I'm in Tenerife with 45 people in the bar watching that game. And um, so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, really, I always felt that Arsenal had a really good FA Cup fortune mm. and memories, but not so much in the League Cup and Europe. I feel a lot of bad things happen in those competitions. Yes. Uh, yep, the FA Cup, we seem to have a really rose-petaled path sometimes mm. and events do go for us. And that semi-final, to be fair, it was a really tough one and we, we came out the right side. Right? Yeah, so. I mean, we, you might look at Sheffield United and Southampton as um, relatively easy as a semi-final and a, and a final, 
But we also beat Chelsea in the quarterfinal. You know, mm. so it wasn't like we we had it our own way. I think it was a replay against Chelsea as well. So, and we beat um, we beat Man United in the previous round. So, you know, yeah. the path to the path to the relatively what you might call straightforward um, opposition for the semi final and final, we we had to do a lot to get there. And even those games, you know, two one nil wins, one one nil over Sheffield United, one nil over Southampton, you know. And, and we're talking about some of the best uh, Arsenal players we've ever seen in our lives. It yeah. does show you that, that games, even back then, were, were very fine margins. Yeah, I think that whole period, Andrew, towards the end of that season, we I thought we also won the league in 2002. Mm-hmm. And we should have won it three years on the drop, right? Yeah. No, no, no missing. And we got a little bit arrogant. We got in amongst ourselves, and it, it, it cost us. We we were the best team, you know, without a doubt. We were the best team in the country. It was our time. I've often felt we, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but I think we underachieved that team slightly. We were one or two oh, trophies short. I agree. And um, you don't realize if you talk to anybody today about our our best ever five players in our history, maybe three of them were in that team. You know, and um, that can't, you know, we can't, we can't come out of that with what we did come out of it. We should come out with some things that we never forget, right? So, yeah. um, which we ended up doing, but there was there was more on the table, you mm-hmm. know, and there was definitely a feeling of you wait, you lot, you wait, mm-hmm. and um, and that that literally did transpire from almost like the, one of the very first games of next season. Uh, we haven't actually spoke about this one, but I hope I've got it right. Remember the, the Middlesbrough away one, which is one of the mm. first league games of next season. I remember watching that at home, and we just killed them within 15, 20 minutes. Right? So, um, mm. And it was like this new breed of, okay, we're good, and we're going to show you that we're good. And, um, and it was just dashing football, you know, literally one-touch transition, early crosses, technique, clear finishes, no messing, you know, Absolute clarity around the box, team play, extra pass. I mean, you know, we've all developed our knowledge of analysing football and I'm not sure how I would have analysed those games today as I, as I, what I know today, you mm. know. And, um, but I can remember looking at the screen and thinking we are different to everybody else and we are better and it was no debate about it. And um, so that was a very special moment in uh, my Arsenal watching life. Yeah. Well, look, I think it's difficult to talk about, you know, the, the second half of 2003 when we start that 2003-2004 season, which, as we all know, ended so amazingly uh, in Premier League terms, right? But I'm, I'm curious now, with the benefit of time and hindsight, how you view the end of the 2002-2003 league season where I think at one point in March we had an eight-point lead over Manchester United and it got whittled yeah. away and it got whittled away and there were some drop points. Maybe we lost a, a game against Blackburn. And then there was a game against Bolton where Martin mm. Keown scored an own goal. But I, I think this is a really fascinating game. Frustrating still because... Sam Allardyce, of course, was the manager of Bolton back then. And we began to 
you know, I think Arsenal's technical quality was obvious to everyone. And this was yeah. still an Arsenal team that was physical. You know, there were real men in that team. You have Vieira, you have Bergkamp, Parler, Gilberto, Lauren, Saul Campbell. You know, these were no shrinking violets by any yeah. means. So if you if you put it up to Arsenal physically, you knew you were going to get a bit back. But that Bolton game, I think, changed something in the way that teams began to approach playing Arsenal. Because I remember on the day we lost two or three players to injuries, yeah. to bad tackles. And it was such, I think it was JJ Okocha, you know, an amazing mm skillful, talented player. I think he could have nailed Freddie Jumberg or or Lauren or, or somebody. And you're thinking, well, this is like, this is the start of something. And I think from there, the the Arsenal don't like it up them thing yeah. began to develop where the way you counter this team was to get really, really physical. And we saw that manifest itself in later seasons with horrendous injuries for players because that that perception became like the reality for other teams. And, and you can accept that there is a, a gulf in quality and, a you know, the physical side of the game is something I love and something I enjoy, but it's got to stay on the right side of it. And I always felt that that game was, was deliberate. I thought they were deliberate fouls to put Arsenal players out of the game. We drew that game 2-2. And then in the next game, that was the game at Highbury against yeah. Leeds when that Mark Vaduka goal, which still gives me a sinking feeling in my stomach, you know, pretty much put an end to our, our title um, chances, you know. So sort of looking at what we became in the next season, how far do you think the end of that 2002-03 season influenced that? Like, do you think that team could have gone unbeaten if they had won the title that year? Probably not. I think we, what we did in 2003-04 was forging adversity of the way that the season ended before. I think people felt robbed. There was a level mm. of arrogance about how we played because um, we were so good and we knew we were good. But we were different. We were the team with the most foreign players in at the time. And there was a a different feeling around the game. I mean, Alex Ferguson ran the game, shall we say. <laughs> he ran the game. He decided the fixtures and who was referee in each game. And he had his mates, including Sam Allardyce, that, you know, were happy to support him and his journey, shall we say, mm. right? Uh, Fergie did his stuff for the LMA, looked after all the other majors. The other majors looked after him. Let's get stuck into Arsenal. And I've always felt, if you've heard me say this before, Andrew, I've always felt we, we almost became the foreign team in the Premier League. Mm. We were the different team. We weren't English anymore. We were that team run by that foreign manager bringing in his foreign players that we don't know nothing about, and they're actually winning. And they're winning in a way that's physical and technical. And first, it was quite nice. And it's like, okay, we, we need to get our game back here. We need to get our game back. And I've always felt that we were targeted. And mm. and it, it's, it's continued for years. We were targeted, yet when we responded, we uh, suffered the maximum penalty, as we're doing today, actually. Yeah, <laughs> we suffered the maximum penalty. Yeah. And it was like, and since then, we've almost been characterized by ill discipline. And as you said there earlier, our inability to handle those physical moments when mm. really the game should have been refereed appropriately and not based on narratives. And I, I, I strongly believe this. 
And when you go through those periods, I know you were heavily involved in those periods. I know you probably had similar feelings Mm. around that period. Uh, Your point about Arsenal being the foreign team, I think, is really um, cogent because there was an incident um, early in the 2003-04 season. um, And there's probably a big game at Old Trafford that we should uh, reference as well when we talk about this season. But but, um, a Robert Perez, well, he won a penalty. And I think yeah. it's fair to say that he he won the penalty. You know, you yeah. know me. I love Robert Perez um, yeah. more than the next guy. Um, not as much as more. But I think in that in that situation, he 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 won a penalty. Yeah. Um, I've seen worse dives in my time, and I've seen worse dives from English players in my time. Not just modern day ones, but you know, um, other star English strikers who were able to yeah. dive over Argentinian legs yeah. and it was clever and yeah. it was, you yeah, know. The guy, I'll think about yeah. the same guy myself. Exactly. But but <laughs> from okay, there, though, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but from there, Perez is, if you want to say stained with a reputation as a diver, and I don't think that's true of him at all. I think in that particular instance, he made the most of whatever slight contact there was. Yeah. Um. But he's immediately a diver, whereas other players, um, because of the the nationality, because of their passport, or because of the three lions on their chest, you know, were able to to do that with greater frequency and escape completely the the vitriol from the press and and from other football fans. Yeah, we were almost demonised, almost right. I'm mm. sure that's too strong a word, but and it was like it created a protective state for people who wanted to mm. to hurt us and, and this continued i mean and i'm jumping i'm jumping but you know the game when we finally did get beaten is the refereeing travesty of all time yes you know? and uh, for people of a certain age that may not have seen that game don't watch it <laughs> because you will get <laughs> it will ruin your life you'll ruin your life and Be there's furious. enough referee conspiracies around at the moment currently anyway so um and again, I, I feel strongly about this. It was definitely a narrative-driven age around refereeing, mm. and we were definitely the wrong side of it, and we were definitely different. It has changed up to a point, but now for that period of time, it was all about getting our game back. You know, let's play. You don't like it. This is how it works in England. This is a Premier League. If you don't like it, you can you can go and do one. Mm. It felt a bit like that to me, and um, the best way to respond was to internalize those those feelings, and um, and uh, go and do what we did. Right. So, um, mm. without doubt, I to- definitely agree with you. You know, two thousand and four was born in the end of two thousand three season. How much, you know, the the I mentioned the old traffic game, so I think we should probably talk about that given that we are Mm. um in that ballpark if you like yeah nil nil at old trafford the rivalry between the two sides was huge the enmity between the two managers was probably at its peak the the fan bases couldn't stand each other you know these are two big brilliant teams and I'm happy to give credit to United because we couldn't have had that rivalry without them being as good as they were and without us being as good as uh, we were back then. So, you know, it was brilliant. Genuinely one of the most exciting periods in my football watching life. 
but the fan bases couldn't stand each other and this all yeah. played out and and you know the players couldn't stand each other and you think about some of the players that they had the Gary Neville uh Ruud van Nistelrooy Solskjaer because Solskjaer do you remember that incident I think it, it was in 2003 yeah. where the Sol Campbell elbow yeah, I'm not uh, sure it was one, but you know, no, maybe rose tinted glasses. Here, no, but. I don't think so. I would never give Solskjaer the benefit of any doubt whatsoever. Um, I think Sol was just a bit too strong for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so this was all feeding into that, and and there's this game Vieira is sent off um, for kicking out at Van Nistelrooy. He didn't actually make contact, and there was the Vieira Keen thing, and then they have the penalty in the last minute. And he hits the bar and all hell breaks loose. And some, yeah. of, the, some of the images from that, which people will remember, um, Keown with his star man on Van Nistelrooy, the one that I always remember, the one that I enjoy the most is Lauren yeah. grabbing Phil Neville around the throat and just the terror on the face of Phil Neville because yeah, he's yeah. surrounded by, I think Ashley Cole is there and there's another couple of Arsenal players there and he's like, oh shit, I'm outnumbered here. Um, yeah. How much do you think when we talked about that, as you said, internalize the the sort of, the way we felt we were being treated, all that went on after that, like the FA hearings and the fines and the the paper's going crazy. I mean, this was like pre-social media stuff. Yeah. So this would have been unbelievable, unbelievable if it had played out online now. Something like that would just be mayhem. But it was even mayhem back then. Yeah. I mean, that I think also played a big part in in consolidating this squad and focusing this squad on on what they wanted to do that year which was to get the league title back from Manchester United yeah I think that game was um there's so many moments in that game obviously they were the they were like the World Cup finals of that era mm. and it's, let's be honest for us and maybe for the Premier League it was the golden era of the Premier League because that's when it really did become a global game. Yeah. Because everyone wanted to watch these two teams, you know. And um, and I can remember, like, Lauren, funny enough, you mentioned Lauren, because obviously Ruth Van Nistelrooy was the person to hate, shall mm -hmm. we say. And there was a tackle from Lauren on Ruth Van Nistelrooy in that game, which nearly broke his back. And <laughs> it was just like, it's not the way to tackle. He just stood there and just stopped him, like running into a wall. Yeah. And... This was the thing about Arsenal in that period. We could fight with people and we could outplay people and outrun people. I always remember that Fergie had to go and buy Eric Jemba Jemba because he couldn't run with us. Mm. He was looking for athletes. He was looking to try to find a way to compete with this team with their funny creatine tablets, shall we say. You know, and um yeah. and that's where we were and their broccoli. Who are these people? You know, and um <laughs> and um so yeah, it was it was a game to that never will leave people's memories who were watching it live. I do feel, and I remember thinking at the time, I didn't think any of that looked unreasonable to me, any of the reaction from Keown, anything like that. Mm. It was totally, totally understandable if you had gone through some of the previous refereeing decisions, the way Van Nistelrooy got away with things. Um, no, this was totally understandable. 
they should have been given money bonuses rather than fined as far as i'm concerned <laughs> <laughs> they should have been given there were those special little gold guns they give out you know for 100 yeah, 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 yeah. Like that. <laughs> that was they were hit every one of them were heroes and um i i sort of remember a tv clip of after the game just sort of Wenger sort of leading everyone off the pitch mm. and Keo walking behind him. And it looked to me like they've just gone to war and here's my boys walking behind me and we're coming for you. And it just was epitomised everything to me, watching the game in a more, in a very free bar atmosphere. It was like, yeah, we've gone there and we've come out of there unscathed. And from there on in, it just all kicked off. Yeah. And, and when you think about, you know, that squad of players, maybe nowadays we're a little bit worried that our squad is light, but I mean, it was a smaller squad back then. Yeah. Um, the club was fined £175,000, which at that point was the largest ever fine given by the FA to any club. Lauren yeah. got a four-game ban and a £40,000 fine. Keown, three-game ban, £20,000 fine. Vieira and Parler, one-game ban, and they had £20,000 fines. Uh, Jens Lehmann was uh, originally charged, but later dropped. Uh, Ashley yeah. Cole, a £10,000 fine. And I'm with you. Like, do you know what would... Um, you know, I think if this happened now... There would be a lot of like, oh, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have reacted. They should know better. They're professionals. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck it. No way. Yeah. Absolutely no way. You, This was like a tinderbox yeah. that had been smoldering and smoldering for years and years and years. And it was always going to ignite at some point. And let's remember that there were some feisty encounters between those those two teams before any of this happened, you know? Yeah. It was unbelievable, just an unbelievable um, moment, I think, in that season and in the club's history because it's, you know, it's something that... Um, a stain is the wrong word because I, I, I'm sort of quite proud of it, to be oh, honest. Extremely proud, extremely proud. And often when I'm talking about the game today, Andrew, and mm. we, as we both do, and I talk about when we get beaten and beaten up in games, my mind goes back to those days. I don't actually say it because mm. I don't, you know, I don't like to always look backwards all of the time. It's mm. all about looking forwards and the game has changed. But it's a certain fundamentals to the game of football where you have to have the ability to stand up for yourself physically. Yeah. And um, particularly in England. And if you don't, things will happen to you. You can't expect referees like to look after you, right? Because they yeah. don't, right? So, um, and so you look after yourself. And for me, they represented me on the sidelines. Sure. Without a doubt, I really, what's what I'm looking for, felt um, associated to that team. They, I, they were the representation of myself, you know, and, uh, uh, the age I was then, with, without a doubt. And every one of those players, I absolutely adored for how they approached the game. I mm. think that was the key thing for me. They approached it like a almost like a fan would approach it if we were if we were talented enough to play, you know, and yeah. um, and that's what I loved about that group, you know, and um, and I, I like I think it's part of the badge, and I and I see some of that coming back if I'm honest with you um, today, but at that period of time, it was just uh, something we expected 
and we maybe didn't realize how special that group was not just as talented footballers mm. but how they felt about the football club so. yeah i mean i often think about that and like would i have enjoyed it more if i'd known blah 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 you know that way like if we mm. knew that um it was going to be <laughs> X amount of years until our next title win, um, which we're still waiting for, would you enjoy it more? But I fucking loved it at the time. Yeah. I did not enjoy it. Maybe I would have savored some of it, but I, you, you get this sense that when things are going that way, that like it's hard to hard to see, you know, you know football, there's ebbs and flows, it's up and, ups yeah. and downs, but you kind of think, well, this is so good. How can it just not be like this all the time? We've got a brilliant manager. We've got brilliant players. We can attract great players. We're winning things or, you know, um, maybe under, as you say, underperforming in Europe, which I think is true. But, you know, Arsenal was a, a, the most attractive destination in in English football, apart from um, Manchester United and maybe yeah. then Chelsea, which became attractive for, for financial reasons rather than, than football reasons, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the way we've grown up is sort of um, it's all about going up north to Liverpool, Manchester United, wasn't it? Mm. Those are the those were the those were the measuring sticks. Yeah, right? those two teams were the measuring sticks, and if you can go there and do damage in those places, it almost gave you confidence everywhere else. Mm. You know, and I think I think we went to Anfield that season. I think that was one of your Perez moments Oof. when we went to Anfield when he curled goal, it around yeah. the corner, and. Um, I mean, when when you go to Anfield and do that, well, it, there's nothing else to fear, right? And there literally yeah. isn't. It's just, and that's how it felt. And it almost gave you a 10-game boost. Mm. You know, those games going up north were the ones that really defined us. And and I, and I you know, it's a big part of how I um, think about football, really. And I, I think it's your ability to, when you go away, and, you know, for those who are listening that, do travel to away games, and I used to go to a lot more back then. There was a certain tribal feeling to it, you know, mm. was a, and that you were really on an enemy territory. And the team they they almost had to play the way that they represented you. And I'm, you know, going to away games way back there was difficult. You know, you get herded around, you know, in different towns, kept behind. Mm. It's not so easy as it is now. There was a much more of a an issue off the pitch, shall we say, not as bad as you know as it has been before that, but still, it was still there, and and so it was difficult to do these games. It was difficult, and um, when the players did what they did on the pitch, it made it feel so worthwhile, right? And you felt that you was all one together. And um, you know, I want to use the word unity as a modern word, but it definitely was a, it definitely was something we had at that period. Yeah, something special, and hopefully, uh, we've rekindled some some good memories for you mm. during this chat yeah we have you got me thinking yeah now, well one i drink too much <laughs> uh, <laughs> because i can remember i can remember a lot of these events by where i was and where <laughs> what yeah, yeah. bar i was in what party what, was i at <laughs> yeah. you actually remember the fines how do you remember that <laughs> incredible yeah well I, I did i did write a book about that season so uh Thank yeah it, it is kind of stuck in my head listen we will leave it there thank you for uh going down memory lane with us clive and uh, we'll chat to you soon. Anytime, mate. Thank you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? 
Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thank you very much to Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive P-A-F-C, at Clive P-A-F-C, and of course, as part of the Arsenal Vision podcast crew. That's it for this particular episode. Remember, you can support Arsblog by signing up to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. It's a fiver a month. And not only does that go to support the site, you get lots of extra bonus content too as well. Patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. Until the next one, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.